0: Hello, I'm Gandalf the White, and this is Kill My Darlings, an interactive fantasy writing podcast. Speak, friend, and enter. This is the first real episode of Kill My Darlings, where we start our collaboration. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm Hayden Rogers. Let's kill some darlings. Oh, and disclaimer, everything in this podcast is subject to change because that's kind of the whole point. So let me break down how the average episode is going to work. Depending on whether anyone listens to this podcast and uh, (laughs) writes comments into the blog, Uh, I might start each week with sort of highlights and and cool suggestions and ideas that came out of the comment section on the blog from the previous week. Then I will get into an idea, uh, a character, a theme, or a concept from my novel. I'll discuss that in detail. Then I aim to read a short piece of writing, probably prompted by a random generator, which will hopefully test the content we just spoke about. I can't guarantee I'll be able to find the time to write a short story every single week, but I think it actually would be really beneficial just on a personal level. Um, And obviously I want feedback on the writing. That's sort of a really important part. Then I'll also publish an appendices episode, which will be about something or someone I might've touched on, but didn't want to sort of get distracted by in this episode. So for example, this week, We start with no comments, because it's the first episode, so there are no comments on the blog as of yet. Um, Then I'm outlining the general concept for the whole novel, no pressure, and then reading a short story that I have written this week, which tests those ideas. And then the appendices episode, which you can also listen to, is about J.R.R. Tolkien, who I do touch on later in this episode. Fantasy adventure is obviously a big genre, so let's narrow down what my ideas are for this novel. I think something that I'm really attracted to is this idea of riffing on the expected elements of the fantasy genre, but giving them my own flavour or sort of outright turn them on their head, which I think will be achieved through good fantasy world building and the fact that it's still going to be an adventure story. I am by no means the first person to try and, uh, you know, tweak or play with expected fantasy elements. But I think it is actually quite important for the sort of continuation of the genre that we don't just fall into the pattern of sort of standard fantasy fiction. It's just far more interesting for audiences to experience a different way of thinking about the fantasy genre or be able to offer something unique. So that sort of thinking has a lot of implications in a lot of different areas of the novel. For instance, the writing style and the actual structure of the novel. Is it more effective to write a third-person novel following a protagonist at all times as that is probably, I'd say, the most common style fantasy adventure novels are written in and then within that structure play with the tropes and concepts for fantasy adventure? Or should I play around with the expected style, you know, switch to a different person, first person, follow multiple voices or something completely different? Obviously none of these are brand new ideas, they're well used styles, but I guess the question that's tied up with it is what is my particular literary voice for myself and the novel? Where am I leaving my marks and what makes this something uniquely my creation? Uniqueness is really something that is very important to me, I guess. I want to make sure that in general I am using as much of my own Ideas as possible, my own creativity, my own imagination. I think where a lot of fantasy adventure fans get caught when trying to write is that they don't offer anything new, which sounds harsh, but is really just a byproduct of consuming other fantasy adventure worlds. In particular, our most famous fantasy worlds often provide little paradigms or formulas which we like to follow. It's familiar, it makes sense, the audience knows what to expect, but I think it's a trap. The biggest one of these traps is, of course, Tolkienism. And for good reason, as Tolkien is heralded as the father of modern fantasy literature. His work has an enormous following globally. Why? I think because he spent literally most of his life inventing and expanding his universe and in great detail. As I mentioned before, there is an appendices episode on the feed all about him that you can listen to after this. Tolkien was a gifted linguist and created entire languages. You can study Elvish at university. He's responsible for what we now consider assumed knowledge about high fantasy in particular. His conception of elves, wizards, dwarves, goblins, orcs, and even men are the golden standard for fantasy. However, they are also his... I don't want to assume anything about this world that I'm creating. I want to question everything and create as much that is new as possible. In fact, in terms of like fantasy races, I'm not even assuming that I'll have my own versions of those Tolkien faves. I want to come up with my own unique set. I'm actually toying with the idea of having only humans as the major sentient race in the land. I'm not sure if that's boring or not, and I actually would love feedback on that. So that's that's a question for the blog. Head over there after this and tell me your thoughts on having only humans or would you like to see other brand new races? Or perhaps you would just like to see the Tolkien faves. Another thing I'm actually really interested in is the noir mystery style and even thriller style and bring elements of those into the writing. I think it could be really interesting and cool to have fantasy noir. For those who don't know, the noir style is like those old detective stories, um, black and white, you know, a lot of shadow and intrigue. The hard-boiled detective is usually the main character and you have the femme fatale and, you know, mysterious crimes and conspiracies and uh, spies and that sort of thing. And I, I think... Those those tropes and uh, sort of style concepts work really well with fantasy and I'm keen to sort of utilise them a bit in this novel. Though without sort of full-blown changing the tone to be noir mystery, just sort of, I guess, embracing the concepts from that genre. Next, a big facet of this novel is that I want to create a really progressive story. Lots of representation of women, differently abled people, people of colour, and LGBT people. The British and European sort of Anglo-Saxon monopoly on Western fantasy storytelling means that we have very Eurocentric white ideas of what fantasy should look like, even if we're just imagining it in our heads. It's sort of a bit of a default This is a made-up fantasy land where imagination is the limit, so if we can't even imagine a progressive cross-section of society in this invented place, then we're hopeless, really. I'm thinking in general, I want to show a lot of people of colour, I want a lot of representation for that. When telling this story and creating its characters, I've set myself the question, what is the most progressive version of this? Just to see where that takes me. I might not always go to that most progressive place, but it's good to just widen the horizons and think outside of the expected bubbles. And it's really made me realise that the easiest way to write a progressive character is to write a good character. Pretty simple. (laughs) If you just write a good character, they can also happen to be a person of colour or a woman instead of a man or someone of a sexuality that isn't straight or someone who is differently abled. And of course, we are already seeing this idea of progressive character building playing out in different fantasy worlds. Funnily, the most progressive stuff I've seen is actually kids fantasy TV shows like Avatar. You have She-Ra as well and The Dragon Prince, which funnily enough was also created by one of the Avatar creators. In fact, if you do have more suggestions of other progressive fantasy worlds, then please uh, you know, stop by social media or the blog and write in with those names because I'm actually really interested to find out what's out there already. Lastly, I really want to parallel contemporary issues in this book. I want to create, for lack of a better word, woke fantasy. I think the things we see in our world today are Dramatic and gripping. They are also huge issues, and I am kind of hoping that I will be able to shed some light and change some perspectives through fantasy. I think if we can take modern issues and recontextualize them in a fantasy world, it could produce a very interesting and relatable look at our own world. Often the size and scope of these issues turns people off, and they can't find a human way to relate. Art is how we understand the world and learn how to comprehend the human experience. If we can put these issues into an engaging context, people are more likely to engage with them. So, for the record, this show has been started during the Black Lives Matter movement. In fact, in the week that I recorded this, the Trump administration has been using essentially secret police to kidnap Black Lives Matter protesters taking after his pals in Russia. We are also in our ongoing and increasingly terrifying struggle for climate justice as well as increasing corruption and abuse of power within Western free governments, and pacification of the masses through evil media monopolies. If all of that shouldn't be in a novel, I don't know what should. So now we've reached the part of the show where I'm going to read you a piece of creative writing. It's just a short story I wrote this week in an attempt to utilize the ideas and concepts that we've just spoken about and see what that might look like in practice. So this is just based on a randomly generated writing prompt um, so that I didn't have to sort of spend my time agonizing over what to write the story about. So here it is. Agatha had a reputation that stretched as far as four towns in any direction from the Wandering Cup tavern. Like a king, she sat there every night, stretched out in her favorite chair at the table, which was always left vacant for her, waiting for her next challenger. She peered out from under wrinkles in a mass of finely kinked gray hair, sipping on a pint of beer. Though many years of life were clearly shown on her dark brown skin, there was no hint from her that she was even aware of her age or that it was unusual for a woman of 80 to be out every night playing cards. The door to the tavern swung open and a man much younger than her and easily twice her size strode in. His eyes passed over the corner table and Agatha betraying his intentions. Pulling back his gaze, he turned towards Mariette, the barwoman. Agatha began shuffling the worn and stained deck on the table in front of her. As the man collected a drink, she dealt the cards out, face down in a diamond formation. One half was facing her and the other facing the empty chair on the other side of the table. The man, trying to keep a casual eye on Agatha, but doing it with almost no subtlety, took a big gulp of his drink and wandered up to the empty chair confidently. As he moved through the tavern, the eyes of all the other patrons were drawn from their conversations and games as if by some unseen force. Their voices became low as the subjects of their chatter all turned to discussion about the challenge soon to begin. The man pulled the chair out, pausing to look behind him and wink at a nearby table where two women had paused mid-arm wrestle to watch. They gave each other a look which the man was unable to decipher. "'You Agatha?' he said, leaning over the chair. Agatha smiled kindly, placing her drink on the table and nodding slowly. The man finished his drink off before carelessly putting it down too. I hear you're the best there is, he said as if holding back a laugh. Agatha's smile remained, but her eyes became steely. He went on. They said if you want to be the best at Dragon's Gambit, you've got to beat this old lady, old Agatha. At that, she looked down at the cards and began straightening any that were askew. The man raised his brow, a little irritated. He paused for a moment, waiting for a response that wouldn't come, then turned to address the whole tavern who were now listening intently. "'I didn't believe it. Some old lady down at the Wandering Cup is the best there is at Dragon's Gambit. Not bloody likely. I ain't never been beat back home. Not once in the last three years.' "'so I thought I'd better see for myself.' "'He turned back round to the table and slumped down into the seat. "'I lack like my chances.' "'Chuckling a little, he retrieved a small pouch "'that loudly jingled as he threw it on the table. "'Agatha paused at this gesture, "'eyes sliding over the pouch "'before throwing her own pouch of coins next to his "'and straightening up to look at her challenger. "'The man grinned back as if he'd already won. "'I'm going home rich!' "'He shouted, twisting around to the rest of the tavern. "'Some laughter followed from the crowd, "'which by now had closed in around the table in the corner, "'but there was a mixture of encouragement and mocking in the sound of it. "'The man did not notice the difference. "'Agatha stretched and curled her fingers stiffly, "'causing them to crack like the embers of a fire. "'With a sharp ping, she flipped a brass coin "'and let it clatter down on the table, "'landing in the centre of the diamond of cards laid out between them.' Both she and the man strained closer to see the result, along with every person who could get a good look. At this point, some of those stuck at the back of the group had raced outside to press their faces against the window. Agatha locked eyes with the man, his expression falling slightly as she made her first move. She flipped a card on the man's side of the diamond, revealing the image of a blue-scaled dragon, which also had a dark brown stain of unknown origin on it. The crowd ooed. Irritation flashed across the man's face who roughly snatched up a card on Agatha's side of the diamond and slammed it back down on the table. It showed the image of a yellow-scaled dragon. The man scoffed, apparently pleased. Agatha did not seem concerned, however, shaking her head with a cocked eyebrow. And then they were off. Hands briskly snatched and turned cards one by one as the diamond shape began to rearrange into piles and rows. Three minutes ticked by. The tempo of the game gets faster and faster. Stifled gasps or comments escape from the intently watching crowd, and the shuffling of cards across the table sounded as if they were knives gouging out paths across the surface. Five minutes, the man slicked sweat from his brow and grinned hungrily. Agatha's face betrayed, no hint of what she may have felt, her eyes moving calmly between the cards and her opponent. Six minutes, he let out a gleeful chuckle as he slammed down another card, glaring with absolute surety of himself at Agatha, who was still unchanged but working faster. Seven. Hang on. What? What? How did you... The man was stopped still, eyes locked with disbelief at the table before him. Agatha looked straight at him as she placed her final card. Victorious. The crowd erupted with cheers, including muffled cries from those outside at the window. Money and reviews flew between people as the air that was held hostage by the game rushed back into the room. "'I thought he might have had her!' yelled one of the arm-wrestling women. "'I love this bloody game!' said the other. "'She's unbeatable!' The man, face flushing with embarrassment, pushed out his chair roughly and stood, almost causing it to fall backwards. Agatha's eyes were still fixed on him. Her expression was not triumphant or smug, but rather neutral, cautious, waiting. The man turned to leave, then stopped mid-step, his back to her, breathing heavily. You must have cheated. You're a cheat. The tavern was suddenly silent and icy at the man's accusation. Aren't you going to say anything? You just sit there, silent. He whipped back around. Well, old lady, what's your scam? Cheat! The man lunged forward, reaching for his bag of gold on the table. Like lightning, awaiting this very moment, Agatha sliced the air with a long silver dagger. The man stumbled backwards with a shriek. Agatha's dagger stood solid and still at the end of her grip, sticking out of the tabletop just in front of the bags of gold. A streak of blood coloured the blade. The man clutched his hand tightly, whimpering. Luckily for him, it was still intact, blood now seeping through his fingers from a large gash underneath. After a heartbeat of recognition, the rest of the tavern surged forward, grabbing the wounded man and tossing him out into the night. Through the commotion, Mariette, the barwoman, bustled her way over to Agatha. "'You all right?" she asked. Agatha smiled and nodded as she made some intricate gestures with her hands. Mariette, who had learned this form of speech, knew what Agatha had replied. I'm fine, Agatha had said, and I think that was my easiest match yet. I'd like another pint, please, if you don't mind. And that's the end of the story. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, Just for your own information, in case you're interested, the prompt I was using was a woman in her 80s who can be quite considerate, a man in his 30s who is very spontaneous. The story begins at a tavern. Someone loses a fortune at cards. It's a story about opportunity, and your character approaches the situation extremely carefully. So that brings us to the end of the episode, and here is where the interactive part begins please head on over to the blog. Let me know what you think. Link for this individual episode will be in the description, but you can always find it at Hayden Rogers, that's R-O-D-G-E-R-S dot net slash killmydarlings. You can also sign up for email alerts or RSS there on the website so that a link conveniently lands in your inbox each week and you don't have to really think about finding it at all. And if you want to say hi on social media or purely as a reminder for when new episodes come out, then links are also everywhere or just search for Kill My Darlings Podcast on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Lastly, episodes are also available on YouTube as well, which is great for those who need captions or just want to use a visual platform. And don't forget to listen to the Appendices episode this week about J.R.R. Tolkien. Thanks for listening and I'll see you soon on the blog for some Darling Killing.